Welcome everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast podcast. As you know, I call it a belief cast because I'm passionate about belief systems. Uh, there's an old Latin proverb that says, believe that you have it and you have it. And I learned this a long time ago from one of my mentors and it's made, you know, some of the most impactful differences in my life. And so I'm really passionate about it. I even get emotional about it sometimes. And, uh, as you know, I bring on some amazing guests who have some incredible stories, who have overcome some really difficult things in their life, and now they're striving and living their life with passion and on fire. Today is no exception. I have Jake Fisher today. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, he's got an incredible story. I'm so excited for you guys to get to hear this story. Um, he's very open. He's very real. Uh, he doesn't hold back. Uh, he's had a really rough go at times, but uh, what he's doing now is pretty incredible. And in the way he lives his life, he's a he's actually a really great example to myself. Um, I consider him a really good friend as well. So, Likewise. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah. How's Thanks things going? Me. Things are great. Yeah. Yeah. Can be better. Um, I do want to mention we are uh, um, at uh, Wasatch Recovery Treatment Center. Jake and I actually both work there as well. Great, one of the greatest, I call it the greatest university on the planet. I, I love I that. I know you probably agree. Yeah, I do. You know? Yeah. Um, so we get to rub shoulders every day at the same time. So I feel very blessed to know Jake. But uh, here we are at Wasatch and uh, we get to see each other every day. Yeah, here we are at work. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's just kind of share with our listeners a little bit about you and kind of okay. where you grew up, a little bit about your family life. Okay. Um, I grew up in West Bountiful, so Davis County. Okay. Lived there really my whole life. Um, I've got an older sister, um, a younger brother and a younger sister. Okay. And, um, yeah, I played sports most of my life. Which sports did you um, play? Baseball was really my thing. I, I played basketball and, and football as well, um, but I wasn't as good uh -huh. at, at those sports. Um, so baseball was your thing? Baseball was my thing. What position did you play in baseball? Um, I played a bit of outfield and second base in, in high school. Oh, okay. Right on. Yeah. So did you go to Bountiful? I went to Viewmont. Viewmont, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Good old Viewmont. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I played with the group of kids that I played with my whole life. They all were going to Bountiful or to Viewmont. And um, the boundaries got changed. And so I went and saw the school board and like put on glasses and told <laughs> them, told them that, um, my, uh, my cousin was, uh, had gone on a mission to Germany and okay. that to go to Beaumont, I wanted to take German. Bountiful didn't have German class. Beaumont did. Okay. So that I could go play with those oh, with those same guys. And it worked out. It worked out. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's some good thinking on your part. Right. I think it was more my parents. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah. This is a good yeah, this is something you could do to probably convince them to right. have you go there. Yeah, right. Right on. Yeah. So did you uh <clears throat> after high school did you go to like college or anything like that? Or did you play sports afterwards? Or? I didn't um I didn't play sports afterwards. I went to a tech school okay. um after a bit of time. Um and became a network engineer. That's right. right. Okay. So as a computer guy right for a while. Yeah, and, and then you used to, you, yeah, you, that was your career for, for quite a Yeah, for like time, 20 years. Remember, right? Yeah, about 20 years. 20 years I worked with 
but a bunch of great guys um, at a company called Promage Sports. Initially, when I hired, like right out of high school, um, I was filing. I was like, oh, really? I, I filed invoices all day oh, wow. and then just quickly moved up in the company and um, became the IT department. You were, you were the department, right? And, yeah, after like, some time. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it all fell on you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So 20 years. 20 years wow, I was with them. a long them. time. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. a long time. So when you think of your childhood, I know you've been through some things, which we'll get into here in a minute, mm-hmm. but was it a, did, did you feel like it was a good childhood? Did you yeah, like... it was great. It was a happy childhood. Uh-huh. Um, we went on a lot of family vacations. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up skiing, water skiing a lot. Okay. Um, so we were always at the lake. Nice. Um, so yeah, I, I just remember a lot of happy times. Okay. So overall, it's a pretty good thing. So um, we're going to kind of get into your story. And, you know, for for the, for our listeners, obviously, you've been through some tough times. And, you know, it, it revolved a lot of, around drugs and alcohol and things mm-hmm. like that. And so mm-hmm. do you, why don't you start, go back a little bit and kind of let us know when that kind of started and kind of go through that for us. Okay. Um, so right out of high school, um, all throughout high school, I didn't drink or use. Um, and in fact, my friends at the time would hide that from me because really? I would give them a hard time if I knew that they were drinking. Really? Yeah. So and you were clean all through high school? Totally clean. <laughs> yep. Wow. Was that hard? Or were you like, your mind was made up? Yeah. I just, it just wasn't something that I was interested in. I was interested in sports. Okay. Um, and my parents, so I was raised Mormon. Okay. And, you know, so they instilled in me that that's not something we do. Right. Um, Did you feel pretty confident because of that decision at the time? Do you remember? Um, confident about Confident not... about you. Like walking around. Because a lot of times in high school, you know, mm-hmm. we, you know, we put on a mask that everything's mm-hmm. good. And, and I feel confident I'm good. But underneath the surface, I mean, were you a pretty solid kid? Or I, you, I think I was struggling? pretty solid. But I think... There was a bit underneath the surface of, mm-hmm. you know, questioning, what am I going to amount to? Um, mm-hmm. I think the fact that I went to I went to Salt Lake Community for like a semester or two, okay. and didn't like it, and I think that kind of wore on me a little bit. Like, man, what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. Um, what am I going to amount to? Am I ever going to be successful? Um, so there was that underneath, I think, but. Okay. For the most part, high school was a great time, and you know I was I would say I was confident. Okay, did you have now reflecting back? Mm-hmm. Was there some beliefs that you had maybe that started as a younger kid? Some beliefs that you had about yourself and the world that held you back? You know, even though you weren't doing the drugs or the alcohol mm-hmm. or anything like that, but was there some beliefs that kind of held you back? Yeah, I think if I remember back that um thinking to myself like i'm not really good enough was okay. was kind of always there mm-hmm. um i wasn't the best player on the baseball team like my grades were good but not great right. um not such to to get into like a college get a scholarship or anything like that gotcha um so there was that underneath i think yeah you know <clears throat> and i I've been doing this a long time and I've met with thousands and thousands of people over the last 25 years. I would say that's the number one belief mm-hmm. 
that holds people back mm-hmm. is I'm not good enough. Sure. Because I think what happens is we, we do a lot of comparing. Just like you said, I wasn't the best baseball player, so therefore, obviously, you're comparing yourself to the other kids. Right. You know, my grades were good, but not the best. Sure. Again, comparing. Mm-hmm. And I think when we compare is when we start feeling or it starts cultivating this belief that we're not good enough. Sure. Right? Which yeah, leads into sense. a whole bunch of other things <clears throat> as well from that. But I hear right. that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I see <laughs> that. Know, I'm doing that. So, um, so let's jump ahead of then a little bit. Because um, okay. kind of describe what happened and kind of how you got involved or when you finally made it. Not finally, but you made a decision <clears throat> that you were going to start using or sure. what have you. Um, so I had, I had dated this girl for a while and we were having sex. And I think that was, some, that was one of the things that kind of wore on me. Like I was always taught, you know, no sex until marriage. Right. And so that kind of got under, under my skin a bit, um, thinking that, you know, I was actually a bad person. Um, well, we broke up and ended up seeing each other in, um, out of town and slept together. And so we had been broke up for a couple of months, slept together. And then, um, what about a month later, she tells me, I think I'm pregnant. Okay. And at that point, it just felt like my life was over. Because like, I didn't want to be with this girl. Right. I was still just, I was 19 years old. Yeah. Um, and, and it, you're thinking you got a kid on the way. I've probably. got a kid on the way. Yeah. Yep, I'm going to be a dad. It didn't turn out that she was pregnant. She was just late. Um, but in between finding that out... Um, for like the six weeks that I thought I'm going to be a dad. Um, I went to spring break and I was around, uh, some friends that, that partied and I kind of just said F it and Mm -hmm. I'm going to try this out. And so we started drinking and I liked it. I liked how it made that feeling go away. You know, worried about being a father for the time. For the, for the moment. For the time. So sure. I would say initially when I started partying, it it was, I mean, that's part of the reason. Another part was just hanging around people doing it all the time yeah. and seeing that, oh, maybe it's not that big a deal. Right. Um, and so that's where it started. Yeah. And then <clears throat> quickly after things, things escalated to where um, I was drinking quite a bit and then I started experimenting with other drugs, LSD, mushrooms, um, kind of, you name it. Right. Um, kind of doing everything at this point. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's amazing how quickly it can escalate. Yeah. 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 It got bad pretty fast. Right. Although it was still at that point, like a weekend thing. Um, it wasn't daily like right. it got later right. knowing my addiction. Sure. Um, What's interesting too is almost, you know, we always say when someone relapses, you know, the relapse always started well before you actually sure. relapsed, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And if you look, you know, not that you, when you first started, we wouldn't call that a relapse, but you you said it kind of started with you started having sex. Mm-hmm. And that kind of led, led you to believe that, you know what, I'm doing these bad things. Mm-hmm. I might be this bad person. Mm-hmm. And then you hear the news that maybe you're going to be a dad. Uh-huh overwhelming feeling I can imagine at age 19 right <laughs> that'd be scary yeah and then 
and then then obviously you're around your friends at the, uh, on spring break and you're mm-hmm. like you know what 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 the hell I'm just gonna do this right and uh, yeah. and and again it's always a justification right sure you were justifying based on well I've already you know I, I don't know if I can handle this and right. my life's already messed up yeah is that tr- that's totally true <laughs> yeah I totally justified it at the time and and throughout you know the history of my use or, or using drugs, I, right. you know, I justified it some way or another. Yeah. You know. At the same time, you mentioned that you were, you know, you grew up religious and mm-hmm. this and that. Mm-hmm. Were you still wrestling with the religious part of things at this point when you are now starting to party and stuff? Or, or are you, I mean, what were you at that, with that at that time? At that time, I think I had, for the most part, moved away from that. But there was mm-hmm. still some underlying guilt um, sure. that I'm not doing the right thing. And, and that got worse, you know, the more I used. So mm-hmm. the more often I, I did drugs, the worse that feeling got of like, I'm a bad person. Yeah. I've got all this guilt and shame that's starting to build up and that just fueled yeah. my use, uh, even more. Yeah. You know, and, and <clears throat> I hear that's very common too, that guilt and mm-hmm. shame and that shame mm-hmm. piece guilt's good in the sense that it keeps us reminding us we shouldn't keep doing these things that are wrong right shame that's shame is where we get in trouble sure. shame is I am a bad person mm-hmm. right right so it sounds like you had some of that you're walking around I'm just, I'm just a bad person yeah wow. yeah and and there was that wasn't super heavy at that point it got pretty bad mm-hmm. um, later in life right um, the more I used like I said um, yeah it got really bad okay so let's keep going. Let's move forward in okay. your story. So you started doing that. Mm-hmm. Became a weekend thing. Became a weekend thing. So um, a few years later, um, and I had been kind of weekend drinking for the most part. Um, I got married. Um, I met a girl, and our relationship, our the foundation of our relationship, mm-hmm. was partying. Really. Oh, okay. Um, I remember. The first time I told her that I loved her, we were on ecstasy. And on <laughs> you ecstasy, love you love everybody. <laughs> that's um, pretty funny. And I remember... I'm sorry, like, but that's funny. Yeah, right? It's <laughs> not funny, you. but yeah. It, I yeah. mean, not funny, but funny. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember like coming down from, from being high on ecstasy right. and going, oh my gosh, I told this girl I loved her. Right. And I don't know that I do. Um and we were both really young and um kind of the next step was i guess we get married you know we're going to be together we want to be together and we're kind of so did you end up telling her you didn't love her or did you no i just kind of like really moved on like (laughs) and it's like i hope she didn't hear that yeah right (laughs) uh but no i mean we had a a pretty decent relationship um there were some happy times for sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of drug use and after, uh, we were married for seven years Okay. and things progressively got worse. As far as our use, we got into opiate opioids, Mm -hmm. um, pain pills for the most part. And, um, that's where things got pretty bad for me. Okay. Um, for both of us really. And in this relationship, um, one of us would decide, 
we need to stop. Like things have gotten out of hand. Things have gotten out of control. All our money is going to pain pills. Mm. And so we, we need to get off. And so, you know, we, we would try and then one of us would fall off and start using again. And soon after the other one would as well. And so at some point we decided, you know, we aren't really good for each other okay. and to, to clean up, we need to separate. Okay. Uh, Do you have any kids? Did you guys have any no. kids together? No. Like okay. Just Never had any kids. And I okay. think that there was always kind of the thought of, well, if we can clean up, then, then we'll look at that. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we at least knew, um, that our relationship wasn't healthy enough to bring kids into it. Gotcha. Okay. So looking back, that's probably a blessing that yeah. based on where you two were health-wise, sure. you guys were both so unhealthy. Right. So that's probably yeah. a good thing. That is a good thing. Yeah. So we divorced and um, I got on Suboxone maintenance and um, we kind of parted ways. We uh, kept in touch for a few years after that mm -hmm. um, and things got worse for her um, faster than they did for me. So I was on Suboxone maintenance and holding down my job and um, being on Suboxone, it, I mean, it got me off of taking painkillers every day, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's still no way to live life because it just kind of mutes everything. Yeah. I didn't have any kind of a drive to like do anything really. Yeah, you're kind of just even kill, right? Yeah. I mean, you're really kind of, you're high. I mean, you can, yeah. I, I mean, I abused it. I yeah. abused it. Most as people well. abuse it. Well, yeah, I shouldn't so, say most, but a lot. So, yeah, I would skip days so that I would start to get kind of sick and then take like three times the dose. Um, on and, purpose? On purpose. So, wow. so I would get high. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you'd. You'd withdraw for a couple of days mm -hmm. so you could feel a big kick from it. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's addict behavior. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty nasty. So yeah. I was on Suboxone for um, about three years. Wow. And like high doses of it too. And um, at some point I, I decided this is no way to live. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't want to like go out on dates. I'm like, I'm going to be alone and just kind of mediocre for the rest of my life wow. if I don't get off of this. Right. And so I did. I, I did it at home. Um, and it was nasty. It was rough for because I didn't know how to taper down correctly. And so it was not a fun time. But I was able to get off it. Well, describe the <clears throat> detox, how brutal it was. Because... I mean, it's brutal. People, it can I don't know be. if people understand it. It can be. It can be. We know someone that uh, right. actually handled it really right. well. That's right. <laughs> the ninja. Yeah, that's right. Anna. Yeah, my yeah. fiance. Yeah. Hannah's his fiance. We call her the ninja. She was on a previous podcast. Uh, they're just an amazing couple. Uh, but uh, yeah, Hannah proved to all of us that uh, it, it can, can be actually easy. be pretty easy. Yeah, right. <laughs> For me, it was. But I mean, at the time, we didn't. You didn't know these belief systems right, back then, so you're right. just I didn't you're have, just winging it. Yeah, I didn't have any of these tools. Um, my mindset wasn't right, and so it drug on for about a month, I say, oh, wow. before like I felt normal. Normal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were there were moments in there that 
I thought to myself, it has gotten so bad. Like I hurt so bad. If I actually fall asleep, I don't know that I'll wake up. Right. Yeah. Wow. It was scary. Yeah, yeah I bet it was. Scary. So anyway, I got off of Suboxone and, but I didn't fix any of these underlying issues that mm -hmm. I had, all of these beliefs that, it, man, I'm, I'm a pretty bad person. Yeah. Um, at this point, my marriage didn't work and that validated the fact that I'm not like this great guy. Um, mm -hmm. It validated the a belief that I had started, that I'd created that I didn't deserve love. And, um, wow. and it got, it got pretty, you know, it was pretty sad. Yeah. Those... And it, sh and it proves how powerful a belief can be in a mm -hmm. negative way. Mm -hmm. You started forming these beliefs Yeah. that, I mean, you probably just walking around miserable. Yeah. On it, a lot of levels. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I still remember the first day I met you, dude. Wow. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a second here. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a and again that's why I, I love talking about beliefs because we all form these beliefs from the time we're born that uh, either set us free or hold us back, and obviously uh, drugs and alcohol and things like that just fuel these limiting negative irrational mm -hmm. beliefs. Yeah, absolutely. And then our life mirrors it, mm -hmm. and it sounds like that's exactly what was going on at this point. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So. Um, so I got off of Suboxone and I knew at that point, I can't take opiates anymore. I can't take painkillers. I like them too much. It's a problem for me. Right. But I justified drinking. I thought I can still drink though <laughs> right. because it, like I've never yeah. really had a problem drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, so I drank, you know, heavily for a period of time and, um, I had rules about drinking where I okay. couldn't drink alone um, unless I was working in my garage or working in the yard. Right? Unless. Right? I couldn't drink before noon unless I was out of town. Uh, so these. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So these rules that I had obviously were red flags. Like yeah. you've got a problem with it if you've got to create these rules for yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, I've Did always... Did you follow the rules? Just curious. I mean, kind of. <laughs> yeah. They, they were there, but... Right. Yeah, not always. <laughs> right, not always. sure. Sure. So, I, I've always been really active, and um, I've had a bad back. Okay. Kind of. I mean, that was a belief, for sure, sure. part of it. Yeah. Um, but I, I hurt my back in the gym, and it got... It got really bad, I, so I blew out a disc, mm. and um, for a while I was kind of dragging one of my legs around uh, for a couple months because because of the pain. So I had nerve pain going down one of my legs, and I had to have surgery. Okay. And I remember being in like the recovery room, being hooked up to an IV of morphine, and kind of this light kicked on like. Oh, I remember this. This right, this yeah. is the good stuff. Yeah, wow. And <laughs> and at that point, it that's where things started to get bad again. Okay. So after my surgery, um, initially I gave the prescription of pills to my mother and told her, "Look, I've got a problem with this. Only give them to me as prescribed." Right. But I would I would cheek them. 
so so I pretend to take them and not actually swallow them until I had you know six or eight of them and then take all of those at once and playing the system playing yeah, playing your mom yeah pretty much and so then I went back to my physician and, and actually after my surgery my pain for the most part was gone like I had no more nerve pain the the surgery worked okay and but I had tasted that those opiates again and really liked it mm -hmm. um, because again I still had these beliefs that you know I'm a bad person I don't deserve love right you know so underneath I'm not I'm not okay right right wow um, yeah so I remember going back to my physician and saying okay I need a refill and him writing me another refill and um, and it just quickly got to be worse and worse where I was taking more and more and he stopped prescribing me so I went to a pain specialist okay. and got me on some like really heavy drugs um, like this is when I started snorting oxycodone and I had created um, I'd created a lot of anxiety for myself and I want to just point that out to the listeners. You created the I anxiety created for himself. Yeah. I want people to understand that because we thought creates the emotion every time. And I used to struggle with anxiety too. And uh -huh. I thought something was wrong with me. Sure. But now that I know better, I was the one creating it with right. my own thoughts. Right. So yeah. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. And <laughs> and I I also created like the pain for myself. Like I tell myself, oh, I've got a horrible back. I need to take these pills, even though inside I knew that that wasn't the case, that my back was fixed for the most part. Right. Um, so I started seeing a pain specialist and the amounts of prescriptions that I was getting was ridiculous at this point. Um, and because of the anxiety I created for myself, I was also starting to take benzos. Um, so I was taking like Clonopin or um, Xanax, okay. you know, regularly. Mm -hmm. And those two combined, um, opiates and benzos, they tend to like knock you out for the most part. Sure. And so then I needed some kind of an upper to get me through the day. So, um, it was either Adderall or later when things got really bad, it was crack. Jeez. And so things just like spiraled. Well, yeah, like, I can imagine. Really fast. Mm-hmm. So... How how this how how much longer after your back surgery had you got to this point? How long had it been? Like just quickly? It took it took probably two years to okay. get to spiral like completely out of control where okay. I was, you know, physically dependent at that point okay. where, you know, I had to wake up every day and figure out, okay, where am I gonna get drugs? Um, where am I going to get painkillers? Because if I don't, then I'll get sick. You yeah. know, you get dope sick. And um, the prescriptions that I was getting, even though it was a ton, it wasn't enough. Right. You know, right. I would run through those in a week, you yeah. know, at best. And you built up a tolerance. Yep, I built yeah. up a tolerance. And um, so I remember um, a friend of mine at the time he was also using, so we were kind of both validating each other's stuff, right. negative stuff. Right. And, and 
he told me, you know, this is enough. We need to find a black market hookup. And that's when things, I knew when he said that, you know, and I knew that thought, if I find a black market hookup, it's all going to be over. Cause I had a good job, you know, I made money. Right. And so I could afford to spend, you know, a lot of money on this. Sure. And, and that's exactly what happened. You know, things got really bad. I started to, to do things that I never would have, you know, um, doing like shady drug deals in, in parking lots, you know, missing a lot of work. Yeah. And all the while, like that belief of I'm a bad person just got worse and, and worse to the point where I, I got so down that I, I didn't want to commit suicide, but I didn't care anymore. You know, I, right. it, it had gotten so bad that I didn't care if, if I OD'd and died. I, I had the belief that maybe everybody would be better off, you okay. know, if I, if I weren't around anymore. Wow. So it, it was, it was miserable. Yeah. Had you come close to ODing before? Or? Yeah. So right before I came into treatment maybe two weeks before I had, um, I had a fairly important meeting at work and I had a routine where I would set my alarm a little earlier than I needed to be up, get up, snort drugs. Um, so snort a bunch of, uh, painkillers and some Adderall or crack, whatever I had, Mm -hmm. and then go back to sleep until that kicked in and then wake up, um, I was also taking Ambien and that kind of erases your memory and right, not right. to sleep, but to function. Sure. And wow. And so I woke up on this particular day and snorted my drugs and fell back asleep. And because I had taken the Ambien, when I woke up again to get ready for this uh, meeting, I had forgotten that I had already woke up and taken those drugs. And so I doubled the dose. And the next thing really, I remember as in the, in the ER, um, my girlfriend at the time had found me with like one pant leg on. I had, I'd got up, you know, to get ready, started to put my clothes on and, and that was it. And that was it went out. And so up until this point, I felt like I had hidden how bad my use had gotten from like my friends and my family and and now it's kind of out of the bag like the big lie yeah is out there and instead of instead of you know going wow you know things have gotten so bad that I've put myself in the hospital I've OD'd I should really clean up it was it just about revalidated that you're a terrible person right you know you're 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 just not a good person and this is what you deserve. And so I continued to use. And it wasn't long after that, that um, I came upstairs one day and my whole family um, were, the were in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the intervention. Yeah. So you come walking into this room, what are you thinking? Uh, <laughs> I was thinking, shoot. <laughs> shoot i'm sure that's what he said shucks darn it yeah it was so at the time i knew 
I need help, mm-hmm. but I didn't want it. <clears throat> you know, I yeah. didn't want help. Things had gotten so bad that I didn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. And so my whole family was in there saying, look, um, we'd like you to go to detox and then we would like you to check into a treatment facility and get some help. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, well, I, I just need to get off drugs. Drugs is the problem. So I'll go yeah. to detox because yeah. once I get off drugs then everything else will fall into place yeah. and I'll be good. <laughs> um, so they said, okay, let's go. You need to go right now. And so I went and packed my things, which included the rest of my drugs and threw those in my pocket and off to detox we went and which is crazy thinking back. Um, I'm going to go to detox to get off of drugs, but I'm going to take all of my drugs with me (laughs) and use while I'm in detox. So that's how that went. Um, so I was in detox for seven days and, and at one point did you use while you were in yeah so it, so for the first probably four days i was using in detox um and i had taken a whole bunch of benzos and some ambien and i thought that i hid my drugs i thought that that, yeah. I, that i hid them but when i woke up i couldn't find them anywhere and i still don't know what happened to them if a family member found them or if a nurse or somebody found them, but you, they were gone. They were out. Okay. So at that point, I was like, "Shoot, I guess I've really got to, I've got to do this," yeah. you know. And so I was there for a few more days, and then um, someone from Wasatch, Corey yeah, from Corey. Wasatch, uh-huh. showed up, and he's like, "All right, you're ready to go." And I wasn't. I didn't want to, but I thought it's probably the the right the right thing to do. Yeah. Like I'll try it. Yeah. So that you were skeptical. I remember before. So <clears throat> I, re- I knew you were coming in. I didn't know who you were, uh-huh. but Corey was talking about you. Oh, okay. He, and, uh, he was saying, yeah, you know, this guy named Jake's coming in. Uh-huh. Uh, he doesn't want to come. Mm-hmm. He's really kind of, you know, hesitant. And mm-hmm. so, Let's, let, you know, you just kind of gave us a heads up mm-hmm. to, to kind of keep an eye on you when you got here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was scary. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I'd never been to treatment before. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I had heard of people going to treatment right. and or getting themselves into rehab, but I, I had no idea really what to, to expect. And I was, yeah. I was really scared. Yeah. Yeah. And, and. So from my perspective, when I first met Jake is it's, it just blows my mind. Cause this is totally not you. Uh-huh. I mean, if you, if people who know Jake today, you wouldn't believe me when I say this, but like I, when I first met you, you were thin paper thin mm-hmm. and you just had this look of fear. I mean, you were scared. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could just see it in you. Uh-huh. You were just nervous. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't even look someone in the eye. You'd look at you and you kind of look down and, mm-hmm. and you were really kind of fidgety. And mm-hmm. obviously that's part of the withdrawal I'm, I'm assuming as well, but you just seemed scared. I was scared to death. Yeah. Like I had, I had no idea what to expect and things had just gotten so bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time I had this belief that, oh, if you get 
if you get to rehab, then I mean, it's a terrible thing, right? You have yeah, things are over for you basically. Yeah. But it was you know the best decision. Well, yeah. In reality, you made. actually hit the jackpot. Yeah, totally. I mean, I say this to clients coming. Excuse me, every day, is congratulations. Mm-hmm. They look at me like what? Like, you hit the jackpot. Yeah. Because I really look at Wasatch, and I I really believe Wasatch is different in a lot of ways from most treatment centers. I really look at it as a university mm-hmm. versus a rehab, mm-hmm. because the stuff you learn here, I mean, think about how this the the principles and the beliefs, things like that that you've learned here, what it's done for your life up to this point, right? Right? Yeah, it's incredible. It's crazy. So maybe let's kind of jump through that. Um, so you come you come through treatment, uh-huh. kind of go from there. Yeah, so I checked in here and um, just really down on myself, like thinking that, you know, this is what my life has come to. I've, I've checked in a treatment and I remember I was in a meeting and um, so we have like an alumni meeting here where past clients come back. Right. Um, and there was a resident, a current resident, who got up and said, you know, I finally found some true joy and true happiness. And I remember thinking, you're a liar <laughs> because you're in treatment. Yeah. So how could you possibly be happy while you're here? Um, but the longer I was here, the more I kind of latched onto that idea that I could find some happiness. And mm-hmm. so instead of you know that my my perspective kind of changed to where instead of looking at this as like this big negative thing i started looking at this as an opportunity so this is going to be an opportunity for me to be the best person i can be to find true happiness yeah um and just work on all of those things underneath that had you know held me back for so long and it's interesting you say that because we noticed that shift in you. Mm-hmm. We noticed, you know, you're timid, scared, kind of, you know, very guarded. Right. Wouldn't go anywhere when you got here. And then all of a sudden there was this shift. Mm-hmm. You know, we all noticed it. And all, that's when things started to change. You started buying into that I can change these beliefs about myself. Mm-hmm. And I can form new powerful beliefs. And, dude, you, you did one of the most remarkable changes in treatment that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm when it came to your belief systems. Right. Like you had some really horrible ones that we mm-hmm. had identified, mm-hmm. but to see you shift those in such a, to be honest with you, it was pretty quick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and then quick. you ended up being a leader here at Wasatch mm-hmm. because of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were calling people out. You were like going, you know, it was just interesting how you'd point out their, their belief systems and how you switched it and mm-hmm. you would challenge them to do the same thing. And mm-hmm. you became this kind of leader yeah. here in the house. Yeah, it was, that was crazy for me to see as well, because yeah. I remember coming in and being terrified. <laughs> and then by the time I had left, then people were looking to me for advice yeah. and, you know, leaning on me. And it was just an incredible yeah. journey. Yeah. And, and, you know, people, it's hard to even put it into words. I mean, you really were scared. I mean, scared of his own shadow is the way I would describe it. Mm. And then to see him, then now people are looking up to him for the example and asking you for help. And right. how did you do this? And why are you so happy? And uh-huh. how did this happen in treatment uh-huh. and what have uh-huh. you? So it was really cool and remarkable to watch that yeah. transition. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that's part of, you know, why I work here now yeah. is to be able to see that. I think that's an amazing and that. Thing. 
that, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I admire you so much for being here because Jake um, was working, you know, you had a really, uh, you were working at that uh, company, I can't remember. Promise Sports. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. I was the and IT guy. You were the IT guy there, mm -hmm. making really good money. Mm -hmm. And then, I'll be honest with you, when I heard that you were working here, mm -hmm. at, you know, when you came and started working here at Wasatch, mm -hmm. you know, when you first start working here or any job, you, you, you usually don't make very much money in the beginning. Yeah. That's totally normal. Mm -hmm. But I was really impressed that you were willing to give up the money, mm -hmm. per se, mm -hmm. to come here and do something you're passionate about, to give back. And yeah, money plays a part of it, for sure. 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 But you didn't obviously care... Like, you know what, I, I'd rather make, I, I want to be doing something that actually brings me joy and happiness right. and to give back. Exactly. I was really impressed. Thank you. I still am. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, being happy is, is the most important thing, right? And, yeah, end of the day, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so, yeah, like you said, the money is nice, uh, but this, it's so fulfilling mm -hmm. to help people and, you know, I've got my track record I've got experience you know going through this whole process and I'm passionate about the process because it worked for me right you know and made such a huge difference in my life yeah and I love using you as an example with new clients who come in <laughs> I'll always use you because they'll they come in like I can't change this is too hard they play the victim kind of like you did when you got mm -hmm. here and I always point you out well Jake was in your shoes mm -hmm. and they don't believe me mm-hmm they're like no you're right. No, no, no. Not yeah. Jake. Jake? Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, no, Jake was scared of his own shadow, train wrecked, didn't want to be here, mm -hmm. had these beliefs that he was no good, couldn't do it, and now right. look at him, and they just, yeah. they, they don't believe me. Yeah, I get that all the, the time. <laughs> they're, they're like, dude, I can't say I that in you. I don't, yeah. I, I don't believe it. I'm like, I love yeah, it. No, I was bad. Yeah. 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 And so, let's jump ahead just a little bit here now. So now, what are some of these beliefs you have now that you have about yourself and mm -hmm. the world that kind of set you free, you know, set your soul on fire, that mm -hmm. kind of thing? Okay. Let's talk about those for a minute. So now, you know, I know that I deserve love. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that I believe or I know that I'm a great person that... Yeah. Um, that I can do whatever it is that I set my mind out to do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't have any limiting belief that, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough to do that or um, I'll never amount to anything. So really, they, you know, I wake up every day and tell myself, you're a great person yeah. and you've got an amazing life and today's going to be amazing. Today's going to be great. Um, I wake up and do that every day, yeah. and it, it really makes all the difference. Yeah, and I think, too, um, I think you also realize, based on watching you from my perspective, mm -hmm. is you finally realize there was nothing wrong with you. Yeah, no, there was never anything wrong with me. <laughs> I just thought that there was. Yeah, and yeah. that's the most delightful surprise is when you actually recognize mm -hmm. nothing wrong with me. Yeah. You know, and that's where I saw that transition flip, yeah. you know. Yeah, it took it took a lot of therapy. Yeah, it took a minute to get there. <laughs> I remember I thought I've got this problem with anxiety. I'm always going to need benzos. There's something wrong with my mind yeah. that I'll <laughs> always need 
need something for for my anxiety and that's just not the case right you know like this is anxiety that i had created for myself and um that's just a belief yeah and what i love what you just said there jake is you know when i view you now and rub shoulders with you every day now you have a very powerful mindset and i know in the beginning and i heard it from people they 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 thought at times you were arrogant Mm -hmm. and it's so funny that people are okay with you cutting yourself down and telling yourself you're no good but as soon as you start believing in yourself people it, it almost intimidates people. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're not used to it. Right? Like, how can this guy be so confident, man? Oh, that's got to be totally fake. There's no. But the truth was, it was it was genuine. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And now, obviously, when people are around rubbing shoulders with you, they know it's genuine. They just because it's it's every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone who knows you now, they just. I mean, I can only imagine what your family thinks. I mean, they had to have been blown away. Yeah. Well, they knew though. They knew. They've always believed from the beginning. And when I finally got to the point where I felt like, oh, I deserve love mm-hmm. and I am a great person, they pointed out, we we always knew that. We always <laughs> knew that. True. It's so good yeah. that you finally recognized it. Yeah. Um, because it, we didn't know that you ever would recognize that. Yeah. You know, and I love that because I, I really believe people don't come here to change. They come here to wake up. Mm-hmm. Because when you were a little kid, you knew all this stuff about yourself. It was sure. there. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you yeah. sound like you had a great childhood. Mm-hmm. You were confident about who you were. You played sports. You weren't doing drugs, any of that. I mean, you were doing what a kid should be doing. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. And then, and then what happened is you kind of forgot all that. Mm-hmm. So you came here and you woke up. Yeah. Really? That's right. You didn't really change. Right. You woke up. Yeah. Don't you love that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's amazing. So, um, so tell us right now, what's what does a day look like now for for you? What do you what? Maybe kind of tell people what you're doing these days. Okay, what I'm doing these days. So, <laughs> um, I'm about to get married to uh, the woman of my dreams. This yeah. girl that I met in here, uh, amazingly enough. Which usually doesn't work out well, folks, but... In this case. But they kept it separate. I mean, it didn't really happen until afterwards. Right. Right. Totally. So... Yeah. But yeah, yeah. They met in here. Yeah. So that's really exciting. We're planning a wedding right now. Yeah. Um, not that, that I'm like super involved with it, but... Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. She's basically... Here's what She's we're doing. doing it. And you're yeah. going, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, whatever you want. When, when, when is it? So it's uh, April 27th. Right on. Not. Yeah, you're getting up close. Yeah, it's going Very right on cool. us. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited for both of you. I, I mean, again, I know Hannah really well. As I couldn't, you know, see two better people getting together Thank like you. you two. I'm so happy for yeah. both of you. Thank you. Yeah, we're So really you're great getting together. married, and what else? Uh, obviously, you're into fitness and you yeah. take care of yourself. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Um, we work out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Hannah goes to the gym with me. I've always been pretty active and into fitness mm-hmm. um she hasn't really uh but she's kind of found that that right. passion and so it's great that that i can go do one of those things that i love to do with her with her yeah, yeah. very cool. that yeah that's great that way right on. um i ride mountain bikes um i run quite a bit although in the winter not so much right <laughs> uh, but i'll start that up as soon as the snow's kind of melted off the ground sure 
Um, then I work here and how long have you been here now? It'll be two years next month, right I on. believe. Yeah. Yeah. And how long have you been clean? It'll be, we're coming up on three years. So three you years. and I met almost three years ago. Wow, has it been that long? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The cool thing is I know you're not one who focuses on the days. Nope. I've been this many days. Mm -hmm. And I love that about Jake as well. It's not about, hey, everyone, guess what? I've been, it just, it's just what he does. He's just mm -hmm. clean yeah. and sober. He just, mm -hmm. you know, I love that too because that's, like outside of here when I'm with my group of friends, I'm not mm -hmm. telling everyone, hey, I've been clean this long. I mean, right. I'm, it's, I just it's just who I am. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of yeah. how you carry yourself. That's yeah. That's, I don't, uh, it's not something that I necessarily identify with. I'm, I'm clean and sober. Yeah. Um, because it's just the way that I live my life now. Yeah. Um, uh, for the longest time I used and you know, that's what I knew, but now I found this new, amazing way to live and it's not, you know, I don't struggle with that anymore. I don't yeah. struggle with, you know, shoot, I hope that I don't pick up a bottle and start drinking one day. You know, that's not, that's not in my head. Gotcha. Um, it's just a different way that I live my life. And it's so much easier, honestly. Yeah. Um, where before I'd have to wake up every day and worry about when I was going to pick up, you know, and there's just so many amazing things that come along with sobriety where like I can look you in the eye today right. and not think, well, does he know what's going on? <laughs> you know, in the background, does he know that I'm high? Yeah. And to be able to look a family member in the face where for so long, you know, I was shifty and I wouldn't look someone in the eye and talk to them. Um, I think for me, like a huge part of all of this is honesty. Mm -hmm. And uh, my therapist whom I'm, I'm also friends with now, yeah. Jed works here. Yep. Um, he told me early on that nothing negative comes from honesty. And that's a belief that I've picked up and ran with it. And yeah. I completely believe that. So sure. I'm honest in really everything that I do. And I know that if I continue to be honest, then I don't, I don't have to worry about ever using again. That's beautiful. I totally agree. You know, we, we say this a lot here, and I say this to my clients, if you're honest, you'll never relapse. Because mm -hmm. you actually have to lie to get to that that's point right. again. Completely. So if you're honest, you'll yep. never go down that road again. So that's beautiful. Well, um, so I wanted to, you know, I, I mean, I wanted to maybe ask you to give a challenge to our listeners. Okay. You know, something that you maybe do in your life that, mm -hmm. uh, that's been really helpful you talked about some of that obviously already, mm -hmm. but maybe let's give our listeners a challenge that they could do that uh, would help them. Okay. Well, I would say one of the bigger things for me, um, besides honesty, is I'm a super positive person. And so I wake up every day and say, today's going to be a great day. And then I carry that with me throughout the day. Um, and positivity to me and finding a positive perspective on everything mm -hmm. just makes a huge difference in my life. Um, I'm able to find happiness a lot easier. Um, and so I would challenge just for, you know, a week or two weeks, make a serious effort in being positive every day. Um, I right. think that, I think that smiling helps as well. Sure. Like, 
throughout the day just smile and it's contagious. Yeah. I find that I work with the clients here sure. and I find that when I'm more positive around them, there's more positivity in the room and it, um, you know, like I said, it's contagious. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my challenge is yeah. just find some real positivity, be positive. And it sounds so simple, but mm -hmm. yet it's so powerful. Totally. And it truly is. And you know, those that know Jake and work with Jake here would say that's exactly who you are. You're positive. I yeah. mean, you, 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 you conduct yourself that way every day. So yeah, there, there's the challenge. Um, I'm going to ask you one more question. Yeah. If you could go back to your 18 year old self, mm -hmm. 19 year old self, what would you tell yourself if you could go back? What would you, what advice would you give yourself? Well, that's a tough question because I feel like I wouldn't change a thing because okay. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be today. I know that that kid should have known, you know, that you're okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not, uh, you're not broken. That. I don't know that I actually would change. I wouldn't change anything. Um, because like right here in this moment, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, I'm with the woman that I'm supposed to be with. And all of these things, you know, happen for for this reason. You wow, know, I you, love that, folks. Did you? I hope you heard what he just said. You know, I say this all the time. My 10 years of addiction, greatest thing that ever happened to me. Because mm -hmm. I'm sitting here talking to Jake. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be talking to Jake. I wouldn't know Jake had I not gone through that. So I really believe life happens for us. I agree. And um, because we can learn from it, even in the most difficult, hardest times, um, it's what makes us who we are. So it's beautiful to hear you say that. Um, you know, I've uh, known Jake for you know close to over three years now. Right. I've known Hannah for close to about the same time. Two of the greatest people you'll ever meet. Um, so, Thank folks, you. please listen to this. Um, please share this. Please, if you have anyone who's struggling with drug addiction or even just a self-esteem issue because of a belief system they have that holds them back, share this belief cast with them because Jake's story will hopefully inspire them. You know, give them hope that, man, if Jake can do this, so can I. And uh, anyway, it's it's my pleasure to have you on. And yeah, it's you, been great. You're, you're a great friend and a great example to me. And likewise, I'm so glad I know you, man. Yeah. Thank so, you. So thanks for being here. Dude. Yeah, for sure. You're awesome. Yeah. Likewise. Okay. Peace out everybody. See you later.